Hello and welcome to Simply Why. I'm your host, Connor Reed. Simply Why is a podcast brought to you by Indiana Wesleyan University, where we do a deep dive into the stories behind our outcomes. Our guests share the choices that changed their lives, the paths that led them to where they are, and of course, the why at the heart of it all. Our guest today is Dr. Tiffany Snyder. Dr. Snyder is the Director of Faculty Enrichment at Indiana Wesleyan University. She has worked in higher education for 14 years, in which she has focused on developing relationships and innovating education for faculty and staff. She is also the co-host of the Digital to Learn and IWU Scholarship Behind the Scenes podcast. Dr. Snyder, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. This is my first time on this side of the mic. <laughs> You're going to do great. It's going to be awesome. We'll just dig in with the heavy-hitting questions. Number one, biking or hiking? I would say hiking. Hiking is something that I typically do with my husband, family, or friends, and biking is something I do alone. So we'll go with the relationship one. There you go. All right, question number two, cookies or cake? Ooh, cookies. But if I actually had to pick, I'd choose donuts, which was featured at my wedding. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and question number three, podcasts or audiobooks? Podcasts. I really do enjoy the different styles of podcasts that exist and the different genres of podcasts that are available. Nice. I wanted to start off just by asking you, so where was the first spark for you of like education is something that I want in my career and I want to go into this and just dig into this? Well, when I was growing up, my my father was a sprinkler fitter. My mom was a preschool teacher. We were in a small town in rural Indiana. And they told me at a pretty young age, look, if you're wanting to do this college thing, you need to start finding a funding source, some help, whether that's a scholarship, what that looks like. Well, I wasn't really sure what I wanted my career path to look like or if I needed to go to college in order to pursue a given career path. But through um, a series of really neat events, I decided that college was for me. And when I came into the environment and I was immersed at Indiana Wesleyan University on the traditional campus, on the Marion residential campus, I didn't want to leave. So I was one of those. Here I am. I can't ever leave this. And that's really what led me to continue a path in education. When I was in high school, knowing that I needed an additional funding source in order to be able to have an experience like college, because I was a first-generation student, I started researching scholarships in the community. And I didn't know what a community foundation was, but actually in Whitley County, I got plugged in with the community foundation there because that's where the scholarships were. And I started actually interviewing the folks at the community foundation saying, what did you do to get in your job? Because the work that you do actually fascinates me. And they said, well, you can hang around if you want. But they said, we have an adult leadership program in Whitley County. We do not have a youth version. How would you feel about an unpaid internship to develop a youth leadership program in Whitley County? That'd be a way to kind of get your foot in the door with what community foundation work is like. And I was all over that. So actually in high school, I had the opportunity to develop um, the first youth leadership program in Whitley County, which I didn't know what I was doing, but I ended up writing curriculum for that leadership program, networking with businesses, creating some marketing. And even to this day, there are students enrolled in that program, local high school students that, that go through that. So it's pretty neat. In the process of developing that youth leadership program, I was researching what I thought I coined, which is completely ridiculous now, but life calling. I was looking into how can we get these local high school students to explore their passions and to be exposed to careers that not just the ones their parents had, but to all the different careers that are available for them, even in rural Indiana. So in that process, I didn't have 
ready access to internet, I remember, which is kind of funny, but I did have some access. And I remember searching terms like life calling, thinking here, maybe I've dubbed this. Maybe life calling is like a new concept. Well, it wasn't. And a life calling theorist, Dr. Bill Millard of Indiana Wesleyan University was coming up in the search. And so I made a decision to drive to Indiana Wesleyan University and meet this Dr. Bill Millard. Long story short, ended up choosing to attend Indiana Wesleyan University after college and have continued to work for IWU for 14 years, as you mentioned earlier. So that's what really got my foot in the door is actually this process of being engrossed with the concept of life calling. And that was a distinctive of Indiana Wesleyan University. And I knew what life calling studies did for me. And I really wanted to be a part of what life calling studies could do for others. Well, we've been talking with a lot of professors from here who their passion is their subject and they teach on that subject because they want students to learn and that's why they're in education. But it's really fascinating to hear that you're in this because you want to just help people find what their life calling right. is. And so <laughs> how have you found to be able to integrate that passion into your work and into helping students, faculty, staff, whomever you cross paths with? The way that I would answer that is kind of twofold. First, there's this center or foundation kind of piece. So again, that initial work that drew me to be interested in what a community foundation has to offer. I'm just naturally compelled by that pace that they have there, the energy, the changing ideas, the innovation, the grant writing, the recruiting people to get on board, telling the story of whatever grant was accepted and then acted upon. I love that kind of work. And so I I do have to mention that since I've been at IWU, I've only ever worked in a center-like facility. I, I still love it. It's like the community foundation of the university. I love that center work. And I think that really allows me to bring out a passion for just innovating and bringing people along, connecting people to ideas and people to each other. I love that. But second, what is really neat for me is no matter who I'm working with, so my former position at IWU was working with interns, sitting down and working with them to consider what are your values and your strengths and the things that God has in store for you beyond a job. And now it's a little different, right? So right now I am serving all of the full-time and adjunct faculty of National and Global Campus, and that's about 1,100 active faculty that have taught um, in the past 18 months. That's a lot. But what's really, really neat about it is every individual faculty member has a different story to tell. They have an extensive career history that I have the privilege to be able to slow down, hear those stories, see exactly what their needs are in terms of professional development, and help them get connected to resources that'll help them feel better about their teaching and ultimately about their ministry. That's really awesome. And I know that one of your focuses has been on faculty mental health. So how do you feel like that plays a part in, I guess, even just the quality of what they're teaching, but of how to give the best education to these students, how to best help them be prepared for the real world once they leave college? Well, especially in the past year at IW, we've talked a lot about how to retain our students, how to help our specifically our online students feel connected with each other to have a sense of belonging. And when I hear about everything we're trying to do for students, I can't help because of the nature of my position to think about our faculty and especially our adjunct faculty that are spread out all over teaching these courses. Um, they need that sense of belonging too. They need to feel connected to the mission and vision of IW and to each other to be connected to full-time faculty that they can learn from as well. And so in terms of their mental health, one of the most recent things that the faculty enrichment team 
that I work for has tried to do is to create spaces for adjunct faculty members to really come together. It might be webinars. It might be a professional development course with a discussion forum. But the most exciting one is the behind the scenes of IWU scholarship podcast, which is open to anybody. But we've had a really neat opportunity to highlight the scholarship of some of our adjunct faculty members that are publishing books and doing all kinds of things I had no idea until I really opened the door and invited them to start sharing their stories. So it's been neat. We've been closing in prayer. So talk about mental health. I think they're very encouraged by having IW say, you know, you might just work for us part time, but we heard that you have this book or we heard you have an article or, you know, a new business being launched. And we want to highlight and feature that. It's been really wonderful, emotional and relational capital, if you will. With building these relationships, I guess, okay, so maybe this is a two-part question. Since you are working with so many faculty, like 1,100 people, it's a lot of people, and I know it's not on an individual basis for everyone because that'd be (laughs) insane. How do you, I guess, manage to get alignment with that and all of these different people with all these different perspectives? Like, How do you find a cohesive way to talk, interact, instruct, unify all of these people for the goal of IWU? It is difficult, but when I hear you describe it, I actually get kind of excited. So one of the the a Christmas gift that I recently just received from my supervisor is this flip book about moods. And if I were sitting here with that flip book right now, I would flip it to some kind of mood of utmost enthusiasm because that challenge is real, but it really does excite me too. I want to bridge that gap and I want to bring people together and to just face the challenge and do the best that I can. So I don't know how else to say it other than it's hard work, but it's fun too. And it's iterative. So we try different things in faculty enrichment and it's a team endeavor, but we all come to the table and we work together. And we, we say, how can we hear from the most faculty? How can we cater to them? Can we highlight individual voices, but also the collective voice? How can we make sure that our professional development aligns with institutional priorities, but also aligns with the wants and the needs of the folks who are going through this? How can we empower our full-time faculty to lead most of the professional development sessions so that they feel empowered and heard? And kind of digging into maybe the leadership side of your position as well, Mm -hmm. because I know that's incredibly important as well. And something that you've talked about quite a bit is still learning as a leader. So how do you balance both leading a team to you know, get all of this work done that you need to do, but also learning and listening. And how do you think that makes you a better leader? Well, I remember, you know, when I made the transition from originally working in life calling career and then coming over to innovation and partnerships, the team size, which was much smaller on the innovation and partnership side. And I wondered, I wonder if this almost seems like a strange move on the outside for people to kind of see me come over here and even for a time being not supervise or not have this big team. And right away, I felt God saying, that doesn't matter. None of that matters. And it's true. It doesn't. I have this incredible opportunity right now to work on a very fluid and agile team. We're small, but we're mighty. And we really do focus on lateral leadership. So we spend most of our time connecting with people all across the institution. And it's really become a lateral model of leadership and followership. So It's not about positional leadership at all with the work that I'm doing. It's about rallying the troops around ideas and around opportunities to provide professional development and connect. And that typically means, again, a lateral leadership and followership kind of style where it just changes based on every situation or task that's at hand in terms of who leads and who follows and what we do. 
And that's fine. Once again, this is center-like work. It's the stuff that I really love. The ability to be agile and for each person on any given project, for us to focus on whose strength is in this and whose strength is in this and how can we play together. And every day and every project, that's going to change. And that's more than okay. In fact, it's what really gives me life at work. How do you find that education has also played a part in your career? I mean, you got your bachelor's, your master's, your PhD. So how has that affected and impacted the way that you work, that you learn, that you lead, all of those aspects? As I mentioned before, my parents were wonderfully supportive of me going to college, but they made it very clear I just had to find some additional means in order to get there. The bachelor's degree experience was fantastic, but one thing that I like to mention up front is I was never a consumer of education. That's just not me. So it wasn't about just getting the degree and trying to get through it, you know, to have that piece of paper. I feel that I really did go all in to each step of the way. And that's where the joy came too, is not just showing up to class, but going to class and really soaking it in. And then afterwards, trying to connect with the professor and informally interview them on any occasion I could, right? But just maximizing that experience is where a lot of opportunity came for me. I did not know what a master's degree was or a doctorate degree or that there were doctors outside the medical field when I was my first generation college student with a bachelor's degree. So it really came down to relationships that I had with professors who took it upon themselves to invest in me and explain to me how things work. Like what is a master's degree and why could I be a candidate for one and why should I consider it? And it's because of those people that I gained knowledge and opportunity and started to lean in to all the different educational opportunities that were available. I think it's really neat then to think about our adult learners at National and Global and even now how sometimes they come in for that associate's degree and then they get it and they're so proud when we have an opportunity to tell them about additional educational opportunities they can take advantage of. I go back to what it was like for me again when people were opening my eyes to, to the various opportunities that were available. In terms of the master's degree and doctoral program, I feel like it's allowed me to resonate with and empathize with our current student body because the same time that those things were happening, I was getting married. I had two children. When I graduated with that doctoral degree, my kids were ages one and two, I believe, respectively, one and three. And so it was a difficult season of life, but the flexibility that I needed around those programs to be partly online, partly on site, to have understanding and caring instructors, it made a difference for me. And it's made me incredibly passionate about how we can make a difference for our adult learners that also need that flexibility. And just someone who's cheering them on, like a simple message that says, you're doing great. Just so you know, you're doing great. Little things like that, speaking truth into your life so that you can persist and get through those degrees, even when you have the full-time job, kids, you're married, or whatever your circumstance may be. Yeah, that's wonderful. For you personally, as you've gone through all of these pieces of education and even your role now where you just jump into so many different things and you're hosting two podcasts and all that sort of stuff. So what drives you and what keeps pushing you forward? I have this dichotomous doublet is what I was told when I was in undergrad, a dichotomous doublet of manager and comforter. So what drives me is first this desire to manage ideas, not so much people, just ideas like from the creation stages to the implementation stages. That is just fun. That's the reality of it. It's fun. 
There also, though, is the side of me, this comforter side. And I feel like that's where I really am in tune with the Lord's will on my life or when I feel like there's a good rhythm in my life is when when I slow down to really listen to the people and the voices around me and just sit in that. I love that, too, and bringing harmony to relationships and connections. And so what drives me from one thing to the next is some kind of tension between this in this dichotomous doublet of managing ideas and then also just sitting with people and celebrating their stories and their uniqueness. And that's really what motivates me no matter what I'm working on, whether it's I'm working in career development, whether I'm working with faculty and their professional development, or whether I'm just at home. I also have tons of ideas at home. <laughs> there you go. So let's say there's someone listening in today who is maybe wanting to get a higher level degree or wanting to, you know, be director of faculty enrichment or <laughs> that sort of thing. What piece of advice would you give to them of how you got to where you are, maybe degrees, programs, or again, just kind of for those wanting to get maybe a doctorate or PhD or something like that, what would you recommend to them? I think the thing that has helped me the most with this exciting career journey is actually going all the way back again when I was exploring life calling. I just never really thought of a career as a job. I thought of it as so much more. I thought of it as confidence that I have and kind of who God's created me to be. And some days when you don't feel so confident in specific things about your job or your career path, you can find confidence in who he's called you to be. So I do spend a lot of time reflecting on my values. What are my values that I live by, that I want to live by beyond the career? And by consistently, even daily, focusing on those things and the rhythms of my life. Is this rhythm working for me? Is it serving me well? Or what changes could I make in my lifestyle to improve on those rhythms? Those kinds of daily questions and check-ins just kind of lead for me to the next thing. So when I was working career development and I thought I might want to pursue a doctorate degree, it was because there was this valuing for me. My eyes were opened into the different degree opportunities that were available for doctors outside of the medical field. And I thought, could this fit with my rhythm? And if it did, it'd have to be very flexible. I found I could check that off. If I did pursue that route, it would need to be in something that excites me, maybe something even different. So rather than getting a doctorate in career development, I went for technology and learning and psychology. So I think as I continued to filter decisions through my values and through rhythm, that is how I was able to make decisions about the next step, whether it was a degree or a career choice or career change. And so I would just really encourage people to, to do that very thing, that reflective nature of values and uh, rhythm. And, and if it's difficult to do on your own, I don't believe we're supposed to do it all on our own. We still have a, an amazing life calling office at IWU that we can take advantage of some of the resources they have. And then, of course, as you know, I didn't dub to go all the way back to the beginning, life calling. And there are so many resources out there, really solid, reflective questions that are out there that can help us think through those things. And prayer. Prayer, of course, too. Well, I think that's a wonderful way to wrap up this episode. Dr. Snyder, thank you so much for being on. Where can people find your podcasts or anything else that you want to plug? Sure. We have a Digital to Learn podcast, which highlights the high leverage practices at the intersection of technology and education that can be found on all the major podcast providers, but primarily Podbean. 
We also have behind the scenes of IW Scholarship, where we feature the latest scholarship work of our full-time and adjunct faculty, as well as administrators and staff. That one's also available on all the major podcast streaming platforms, but primarily Podbean. Well, great. We'll make sure to put links to those in our show notes. Dr. Snyder, thanks again for being on. Thank you all. This is so much fun. Simply Why is brought to you by Indiana Wesleyan University. IWU is a nationally renowned, Christ-centered academic community dedicated to providing leading, innovative education opportunities for students of all ages, backgrounds, and life stages. To learn more about IWU's online, on-site, and hybrid programs, visit indwes.edu. And make sure to follow us on social media as well. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.